0: Good morning, everyone, or wherever your time zone is in this world. Good afternoon and good evening. Uh, welcome to the Lesbian Review podcast, where I'm joined today by a woman I consider to be very truly Renaissance. She writes, directs, and somewhere in there she happens to raise a family. So please welcome the lovely Shamim Sarif to my little podcast today. Welcome, Sheree, Shameen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I about comboed your names there for a minute there. So thank you for taking your time today. I know you're very busy. Uh, you've been We've actually had to reschedule this because I got busy and you've been busy doing location scouting, from what I understand, and everything. That's
1: right, yes. I was uh, over in Canada uh, for well, a couple of different times to, to look at locations for our next feature film
0: oh cool and when is that coming out
1: well we're hoping to shoot uh next may june okay so that happens probably towards the end of 2019 okay also a little bit in the air
0: awesome that'll be great i know a lot of people will probably be looking forward to that and um, because most people know you from the two greatest well in my opinion, some of the greatest lesbian movies ever made, (laughs) Um, uh, A World Unseen and uh, I Can't Think Straight, both which deal with two women, you know, just trying to find their place in this world and also trying to find love. But they're also very contrasting in their styles because I remember A World Unseen takes place during the apartheid in South Africa, which was a very, very dark time in world history. And I actually, um, Took the time to rewatch a little bit of them last night, and I just, I just forgot, you know, like just how brutal it was in that time and everything. Was that part of the reason why you wanted to set uh, a world unseen in that era?
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, I always like the political backdrops to to the love story because somehow the stakes get heightened, and mm-hmm. you know the obstacles between them are even uh, tougher to, to overcome. Uh, and I think with the world unseen, it's very true to my own family history because my parents and grandparents were born, born in South Africa. Oh, wow. So that that was very close to to what I, even though I was born in the UK, it was always part of my family mythology growing up. And my parents both left in the early 60s because of apartheid. Mm-hmm. Father's family was moved three times as different areas became white areas and they weren't allowed to live there anymore. So, you know, it always seemed so ridiculous to me, this this you know, exclusion by race or mm-hmm. stratification by race. So it was something that I wanted to go back and look at. Uh, also, the Indian community there. My grandmother's, you know, lived in a very patriarchal society and never challenged any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not easy to challenge that, but I thought, what would it be to retell that story, if you like, where she would meet somebody who's the other character, Amina,
0: right. uh,
1: has got that sense of independence and is based on on somebody who was around at that time.
0: Yeah, I loved Amina because she's very much, she dresses in trousers, which was very unheard of for women to do at that time. She owns her own business and she has a business partner, but she can't say that she has a business partner because he's Black and Blacks are not allowed to own businesses at the time. And then she meets Miriam, who's just this very much straight-laced, you know, I play by the rules, I listen to my husband, I raise my kids and everything like that, and there's just this little connection that they have together. And I think what Amina is able to do is just draw a lot of the, the interior strength that Miriam has kind of, you know, not necessarily not have, but she, uh, she starts drawing those strengths out of Miriam to where she can actually, you know, when her sister-in-law gets in trouble with, you know, because she's married to a white man and everything. So she's able to kind of help there and then, I saw this, I watched the scene again where they try to take her kids away because she wouldn't give them information and I, that just tore my heart out in a lot yeah. of ways. And I was like, would they really take kids just to... It,
1: it just There were no rules, pretty much, you know, yeah. so the intimidation I think was just, uh, was beyond what we would consider acceptable today, uh, well, not that any intimidation is acceptable, but you know what right. I mean, they were just like, they, they were not really answerable to anybody on, on a big scale. Right. Uh, right and kind of you know kind of what happens in certain places in the world still today mm-hmm. so i thought it was very relevant for that uh the the the, the, the little boy in that scene is played by our son Ethan as well oh <laughs> so it was really tough for us because i i really i didn't have them rehearse ahead of time mm-hmm. i had the policemen just come in and, and grab them and they really scared the kids and um so, you know, he, he burst out crying right after that take.
0: For filmmaking, it was a great idea. For personal, it was not a great idea at all. So, But um, there was actually something I noticed in the beginning of the film that I don't think a lot of people probably would have recognized was that Indians were considered colored and Africans were considered black. And there was, a, there was actually a real distinction between the two races with the white people and everything, because it's like, it's like when they, they come in and do the, they raid the restaurant and everything, and he's like, you can serve the coloreds, but you can't serve the blacks. Right,
1: so. and, and not only that, the colored was its own, uh, apart from Indian, mm-hmm. apart from, oh, okay. the, the colors are generally part black, part white, mm-hmm. um, because there had been all this mixture over the several hundred years. And they would do something as crude as a pencil test, you know they would put a pencil in, in a guy's hair and see if mm-hmm. it stayed in be it classified in it as black if mm-hmm. it fell out to get to be colored and it was a slightly easier uh classification but you know just the 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 ridiculous horror of all of this was something that I thought mm-hmm. would be a really good backdrop yeah to this yeah. to this love story between these two women where you think, how on earth is Miriam ever going to challenge anything and and I think seeing a, Amina, as you said, in those situations put her life on the line really uh, kind of inspires something similar in Miriam and and inspires her to have a courage that allows her to reconsider her marriage and what she's doing.
0: Exactly, Uh, because by the end she's able to stand up to her husband Omar and say, you're going to have to find another way to talk to me besides just hitting me around all the time and she does go start working at the the restaurant a couple of times a week to help with Amina and everything which I love the progression of their love story it's not something where it's like ooh instant attraction you know we're gonna you know we got to find a way to be together and everything it's a very sweet drawn out you know things start the world starts kind of helping them by allowing like Amina's able to go and create this garden because Omar wants a garden for his shop and everything so she's able to go do that and then Miriam starts you know being like well I want to get out more I want to go do more things I want to learn how to drive so they do more with that and but there's a lot of nice little side stories that go along with it
1: yeah yeah it was important for me to create that world in in some detail but also Mm -hmm. just you know I think it's interesting what what uh, people can do for each other when mm-hmm. when they open up possibilities, and I think uh, falling in love is one of the ways that happens. Mm-hmm. I think friendship is another way, and I think all of that is kind of important in the world unseen. Yes, um, opening up the, the freedom and the courage that right. people sometimes you know it's hard to do that by yourself sometimes, and you know th- for me that relationship between Amina and Miriam uh, involves them helping each other be their best selves. Right, and the it's... two
0: actresses played it beautifully on screen. Yeah, they, they,
1: they did a great job.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was just like they, they were able to find in such a serious turn in a serious point in the world, they were able to find that little space where it's like we exist, this is something that is beautiful and yeah. what we really want and everything. And That yeah. was really what I found very intriguing and meaningful in that yeah. film. So
1: Yeah, we found that a lot when, when we were shooting to, to kind of identify the fact that there's this world, and then there's their world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, a different, it's a different feeling. It's safer. It's 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 a place where you really want to be versus the, the stuff that's imposed by the politics and by the patriarchy and by all those things, you know.
0: Exactly. And it was just, I also love the fact that it, you have them kissing and you have them, you know, in the bedroom, but you don't really show like, the physical intimacy past that. And I, I felt for this specific film, that was very important. Because yeah. while they have their own little world, there is always that danger. Yeah, like, absolutely. you never know what's going to happen. You never know who or what is going to come busting through the door at any moment. So it's like, you have to be very careful about what you're able to show and how much at one time. Even in the privacy of your own home. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I thought that was handled very very well, in that. It and it's
1: also because you know, for me, I, I wanted to explore a time and a place where it it's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the 1950s, but it's also not acceptable for Miriam to just let everything go. And and also, I want I thought it would be beautiful to have a story where belonging and the mm-hmm. the desire is unspoken for so much of the movie right I mean I think it's palpable between them but it's not something they can talk about easily or express easily and that that yearning I think is something that we don't often see now everything you know it's
0: yeah everybody it's, everything's out open and it's like we can show this now we don't have to hide anymore but at that time you had to be very careful it's like is a touch going to be misconstrued is you know me doing this going to be seen as trying to pick her up or something like that you know so they had to be very careful and
1: it's not just about misconstruing it's about the the a world where you know if you don't see somebody for a long time there's no phone connection there's no texting there's no intimacy in that way when every time you see them it becomes a huge event you mm-hmm. know when you're in proximity to somebody where it's taboo to touch them in a certain way a, a touch of a finger or, or a look across the room can mean so much and I thought that was that would be useful to explore
0: you pull it off brilliantly. So, (laughs) you're very welcome. Well, that came out in 2007, and literally the following year, you came out with I Can't Think Straight. Um, And if the internet is to be believed, literally 10 years ago, yesterday, it premiered at a film festival for its first big thing. So, happy anniversary on that one. yeah no worries but it was like a complete 180 from a world unseen which is like tense and you know very emotional and it's like you can't really take a solid breath till you get to the end this one had comedy this one had wit and charm and it's like the actress lisa ray who played miriam she does a complete 180 with tala and she's like she seems very headstrong and very resilient and just takes on everything including her parents and all the ways except one (laughs) like it's like she's like (laughs) exactly exactly um at first i wasn't sure if it was like an arranged marriage but then they they established that she had like three fiancés but previous i was like okay she's just very picky but of course when when you're a lesbian you know yeah meet expectations but you know it's not quite happening yeah when you're a lesbian you real it's like I've seen this happen before with some other friends and acquaintances where it's like they're like I got engaged and I'm like why (laughs) because I knew how it was going to end because they weren't being honest with themselves that was kind of a clue to me that you know okay something's not right here and then you have um Layla who's just as sweet as she can be and again, is the opposite of Amina, where she's a little more quiet. Um, I wouldn't say she's shy. She's just, you know, kind of in her own world because she likes to write. And she has her parents. And she has her boyfriend. Thank God she has at the time because that's how she meets Tala and everything. But Tala just brings out the fight in her in a lot of ways. And yes. okay. I found it very intriguing that you would think Tala would be the one not having much of a problem being out and being herself and Layla would have the issue because of the way their personalities are but it turned out to be the reverse and I actually found that very intriguing because it just really shows just how hard no matter how headstrong you are no matter how confident you are coming out is still a process
1: absolutely especially with cultural
0: Mm
1: -hmm. biases and stuff and you know and I can't think straight to loosely based on uh, my story with my wife, Hannah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're both from those cultural backgrounds. I mean, I took poetic license with the story. She wasn't engaged when I met her. and, um, and she I think it made it
0: more intriguing to have her be engaged. But the fact yeah. that you put in, you know, she had previous engagements, it just kind of showed that, okay, maybe this one's not going to go as well either.
1: Yes, yeah, so I think it's just, uh, it, it was a, an interesting way, you know, when we came out, it was a disaster with both of our families. Mm-hmm. Nobody, me, you know, we were you're wrong in every possible way. Mm -hmm. The only thing we had in common, we didn't have anything, religion, community, our countries, none of that stuff that was important to our families in common. The only thing we had in common is that we were both women, which wasn't exciting for them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's never exciting for parents, honestly.
1: Then, you know, it it was kind of traumatic and very difficult for us at the time. And I think really, I can't think straight was my way of processing that and making it into romantic comedy was a way to kind of lighten all of that stress we've been through and just say okay here's a different take on this yeah story.
0: i think i mean it still had the heavy emotional stuff because it is a struggle for Tala to be like i want to be with this woman but that means basically throwing away everything i have with my family and my traditions and my culture um in that regard so that's that's not an easy decision to make but I will say the best moment to me is when she actually goes to her parents and you just see that door slowly close and it's just like, you know what's coming. And it's like you're you're expecting, you're expecting some screaming is what you're expecting. And you do get it from the mom. But I, I was happy to see that the father was a little bit more supportive of his daughter in that regard because it's, it's one thing to have one parent. It's another thing to have two parents be, both be like, you know, oh my god, you know, I can't believe this, this isn't right, and everything, so. But yeah, I I felt it was a a nice little, it was just fun to watch, and it was fun to watch these two women go on this journey, and you actually made a little cameo in there towards the end. I'm not
1: pushing me to do that, I hate doing these, I hate, I like to be on the other side of the camera, but
0: yeah, I did. No, I understand (laughs) that, I I totally get that too, I'm just like, but I did like how apparently you took the name of, like, Amina, the Amina character from A World Unseen, so I wasn't sure if that yeah. was intentional or not.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a bit of a Because we shot, I can't think, straight first. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. We had terrible trouble with that film. Uh, we had a so-called investor who, who sort of disappeared with the film. We had to pursue him through the courts. Uh, making it was very challenging. You know, he he was not paying for locations or for film and all of these kind of essential things when Mm -hmm. you're making a film. So it was very, very stressful, but we got through it, but it took us a while to get the film back legally, Uh, and that was why uh, it came out pretty concurrently with World Unseen.
0: Well, that's good that you were able to get it back. I mean, if anything, it just made 2007 and 2008 really good years.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, they both came out, I think, in the U.S. in 2008 because we're on the scene we were still shooting in 2007 but okay. it was at the Toronto Film Festival Okay, uh, it was in 2007 so yeah so they pretty <laughs> much I think their actual releases were pretty much
0: concurrent yeah cool that's awesome
1: you're listening to The Lesbian Talk Show thelesbiantalkshow.com your hub of podcast information
0: did you write the books before you wrote the movies? I, I did, w- yes, I did, okay. uh, and I, but I can't
1: remember the exact chronology of it. But The World Unseen was my very first novel, okay. and that came out, in, I want to say two thousand and one, something like that. Okay. So, and that that was lucky. I won a couple of prizes for that, and um, and it did really well. Okay. And that kind of led to me writing a screenplay, uh, and then I had the idea for I can't think straight. And I explored it as a screenplay first. And, in fact, that that got the, the interest from the, I say, so-called financier. Yeah. There, <laughs> being a comedy and what have you. So we went ahead and, and, and shot that. And so I finished the novel and published it after.
0: Okay. After. All right. That's not – yeah, because I noticed on Amazon it was, like, saying 2010 was when the novel came out. And I'm like, well, usually it's the reverse order. It's like the book comes out before the novel. Is right. that something you always look to do when you write a book? Because I noticed that your other – booked despite the falling snow um that also got made into like a movie for amazon as well
1: Uh, not for amazon it's on amazon but we made it as an independent movie and it had uh rebecca ferguson from mission impossible yes
0: i I was like i recognize her why do i recognize her
1: (laughs) so and that was also based on my second novel actually so I think uh, I do like to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. if I can, it's been, it's been a fantastic journey for me to be able to do the novel and then the screenplay and then direct the film. So it kind of gives you continuity. Right. But it's not always the case. With my next movie uh, polarized, I haven't written that to novel. I, I It's currently just the screenplay. But one of the other projects that I'm doing is my fourth book, called the Athena Protocol, and that's going to be out next year with HarperCollins.
0: I actually read the, the the summary for that one. I was like, I am looking forward to that. I really am. So, I'm definitely picking that one up next year when it comes right. out. So um, If you send it to Sheena at the Lesbian Review, she'll say, anybody want to review this, I'll definitely be like, I called dibs right now. I'll, I'll
1: get them
0: onto that. Actually, I could be like, I called dibs back in October when I did this podcast. So, that's what you like as well but Uh, yeah you're just doing everything that a lot of women i know especially myself in this industry just strive to be it's like you're writing your own things you're directing your own stuff um you're able to raise your family with your wife and everything which is great um and i i really want to read just the book that's like that you said, you know, write the book, wrote the book, made the movie, raised the family, and everything like that, just to kind of see the ba- behind-the-scenes stuff that kind of just was going on and everything. It
1: was a fun project. That was kind of like a little blog book. Because I, I went through a phase after the after these the first two movies, I can't look straight in the world on mm-hmm. uh, scene. of the blog every week just about, you know, the, the post-production and the festival circuit, the, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it became really popular and I ended up with like 50,000 people on Facebook following it. And nice. so I put it all together as a book uh, with stills from the movies and behind the scenes and stuff and we put that out there. So that that's a fun book. I, I really love that.
0: Tell us a little bit about the Athena Protocol.
1: So the Athena Protocol is about a rogue agency run by three very successful women. Mm-hmm who wanna help human trafficking and issues that women and children deal with that, that governments don't generally bother with. Mm-hmm. So they run a younger team of female agents, uh, and they go out and destroy in book one uh, this this big human trafficking ring in Eastern Europe. But it's so it's kind of uh thriller, it's being a Published as a YA, as a young adult novel, by HarperTeen next year. Nice. And um, so it'll—I think it'll be fun. we we just signed a deal for to work on the movie with with some people in LA. So hopefully that'll all start moving as well.
0: So you're keeping with your MO of writing the book, and then you know, then we're doing do the movie. Well, thank you for taking time today and. Sh- sharing a little bit of your story with us and everything and especially about these two great films and what's coming out next and everything when can people expect the athena protocol to be ready
1: the athena protocol book is published next fall i think probably september okay. in the u.s and canada by harper team and in, we've also it'll also be out in germany france italy uh, and i think the Hey, so stand by I think the best way for people to know when everything is happening is just to follow me on social media so I'm Shame Sarif on Twitter Instagram and Facebook and uh, I always post regular updates and it is me
0: I think you'll have no bu- no problem getting the word out on social media because I know I started following you after we made contact the first time okay. so we're all good on that thank you again thank you for joining me Shameem. I know it's kind of late there where you are a little bit and it's very it's a pleasure Yeah. This is Anna. Thanks again for joining us on the Lesbian Review Podcast. Have a nice one, guys. Bye.